Hey there, and welcome back to the Mini Weekend. I'm your host, Jack. Let's just get into it. Uh, for starters, we are getting closer to Big Ten football, people. We're a mere 23 days away from the Gophers' first game of the 2020 season, when we will see the Michigan Wolverines come to town on October 24th, who are currently ranked 23rd in the nation. Uh, also, some good news. Uh, we got yesterday as we get closer to that game. Stud wide receiver Rashad Bateman is coming back for his junior season after he initially opted out uh, back on August 4th. Bateman actually, like I said, initially opted out of the 2020 season due to health and safety concerns related to the COVID 19 pandemic. Uh, and since then, uh, has also signed an agent to begin preparing for the NFL draft. Um, I mean, at the time, I didn't blame him. There was a lot of uncertainty. Uh, we just we weren't sure if we were going to be having any college football at all. And he was obviously just one of uh, numerous uh, players throughout uh, college football that opted out. But it sounds like since the Big Ten uh, has reinstated football back on the 16th of September, he's actually been practicing with the team, but it wasn't officially until just yesterday that P.J. Fleck and the Gophers football program has received uh, announced that he has received clearance uh, to play this fall season. Rashad is coming off a stellar sophomore season that saw him catch 60 passes for 1,219 yards and 11 touchdowns. Uh, his first two seasons with the Gophers were actually so impressive. Uh, ESPN's Mel Kuyper has Bateman uh, number 10th overall prospect in this upcoming NFL draft and the number two wide receiver in the 2021 NFL draft only behind LSU's uh, stud Jamar Chase. So Rashad's hoping he can have an even better junior season uh, as he'll now undoubtedly be the number one target for Tanner Morgan as Tyler Johnson is down in Tampa Bay catching passes from uh, Tom Brady. Uh, and uh, he'll try to get higher in the uh, draft. So that's all we have for Gophers right now. RTB Skyuma, let's go. Um, now on to the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> uh, so the Twins actually ended their final series against the Reds since the uh, since last time, only winning one of the three games. Uh, relief pitcher Tyler Clippard won the final game for the Twins. Uh, in a 7-3 game in Game 2 against the Reds. No home runs in that game or that series for the Twins, uh, for that matter. But second baseman Luis (laughs) Arias led the way uh, in that game, going 4-4 with three doubles to go with three RBIs, and he himself scored twice. And then for the last game of the season, the Twins lost in extra innings, 10 innings to be exact. Uh, we lost 3-5. to five. Reliever Caleb Thielbar picked up the loss as the Twins only managed five total hits in that game, bringing their 2020 season record to 36-24. and 24. Not too shabby by any means, and it was good enough for their second straight AL Central League Division title. But their good season and good news would stop there as the postseason woes continue for the Twins. Uh, The Twins lost two straight home games in the postseason this last Tuesday and Wednesday to the number six seeded Houston Cheaters, sorry, Houston Astros. (laughs) 
Tuesday, Tuesday they lost 1-4 to four despite a very strong outing from Kenta Maeda, uh, who threw for five innings, registered five strikeouts while only giving up two hits in those five runs. But a careless mistake uh, let this game get away uh, late uh, with Houston's Guriel on second and Correa on first. George Springer was up to bat and hit a ground ball right to Jorge Polanco. He slightly bobbled it, but it was right in front of him. He threw it to Luis Ariza, but he threw it very far left, making Ariza have to go off the bag um, to stop it, making Carreras safe at second and the bases loaded, uh, which essentially led to all the runs. After that, uh, after Springer got safe on that play, Sergio Romo walked his only guy, Altuve, which... Uh, uh, essentially walked home that one, going uh, giving them a 2-1 to lead. Then right after Altuve, Houston's Brantley uh, singled to center, which scored both Correa and Springer, making it that 4-1 to game. Um, <laughs> despite another stellar effort uh, performance from starting pitcher Jose Barrios yesterday on Wednesday, pitched another five strong innings for the Twins, pitched only 75 pitches in those uh, five innings, got four strikeouts, and only had one run. But the Twins just couldn't get anything going. Uh, we only registered three hits in our game two loss. So, um, yeah, uh, I don't want to say this any more than I'm sure a lot of Minnesota fans don't want to hear this. But I didn't realize it was this bad. So at the conclusion of this disappointing wild card series, the Twins have now lost 18 straight postseason games. 13 of those at the hands of, you guessed it, the New York Yankees. Um, you have to go all the way back to the days of Doug Minkiewicz, Christian Guzman, Torrey Hunter, my boy, Jock Jones, Joe Maurer, Joe Han- Johan Santana and company for the Twins' last postseason game. One and series win. The last time the Twins won a postseason game was game one of the 2004 American League Division Series against the Yankees. We would actually go on to lose that series three games to one, but nonetheless got a win. Um, But the last uh, series win for the Twins was two years earlier in 2002. Um, excuse me, when they beat the Oakland Athletics in the American League Division Series, three games to one. Um, I and then I believe we actually lost the A American League Championship Series to the Yankees. So, yeah. So as hard as it's, like I said, I'm sure it was uh, just as hard for you guys to hear as hard uh, as hard was it as it was for me to say. Um, it's just it's disappointing to see a team. Uh, like we had this year, that was not only hitting the ball well, we hit the ball. Our, oh, I think a lot of people in 2019 knew we were hitting the ball well. Our issue was pitching and not necessarily our starting pitchers, but our relievers. We just we couldn't get anything going. Of the games I watched this year, not only were we a good hitting team, we were a great defensive team and a good pitching team. So it's uh, it's uh, it's disappointing to see them stink as much as they did these last two games in the postseason. But you know, as uh, Minnesotan as it is, <laughs> there there really is always next year, uh, and hopefully next year we can have Donaldson active in the playoffs with us. Next year we didn't have him on our roster this year. Um, uh, before moving on. 
A uh, quick um, MLB update. Yes, the Twins were in fact the first team to get bounced in the playoffs, but are not the only team. Um, yesterday, the Tampa Bay Blue Jays uh, dispatched of the Tampa Bay Rays two games to nothing as well. And the Yankees, freaking Yankees. All, they also dispatched of the Cleveland Indians um tomorrow or yesterday rather and the only other American League wild card game is uh going on as the the White Sox and the Athletics it's being played right now the series is tied one game to one and it's currently the bottom of the seventh with the Athletics winning six to four so for the American League uh the Yankees and Tampa Bay Rays will start their game five, best of five series on Monday the 5th, um, as well as Houston. They will take on the winner of that White Sox and Oakland game. So that's how the American League looks. Uh, the American League uh, started back on the 28th, a day before the National League. Uh, National League just started. Uh, this is, I think, just the second or third day of it. Right now, the Dodgers have a one nothing uh, one game lead on the Brewers. Um, actually, Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves, uh, dispatched of the Reds today two games to nothing. Uh, Miami currently leads the three seeded Cubs one game to nothing, and that rounds out that. So the one team that advanced from the National League, the Braves, they will await the winner of that Chicago uh, Cubs and Miami series. So that's where we're at in the MLB playoffs. Um, unfortunately, nothing new to report as far as the Wild are concerned today, but the 2020 NHL entry draft is still scheduled for this upcoming Tuesday and Wednesday, October 6th and 7th. The New York Rangers uh, this year hold the number one overall pick. Well, the Wild hold the number nine pick, like we've mentioned. So by next episode, we'll know who the Wild took, as well as how many uh, Minnesotans were taken in the NHL entry draft. I, um, which is always fun to see. I personally like looking that up as Minnesota's huge uh, hockey pedigree. So yeah, um, and then for the twenty twenty one season, I I've been looking and trying to figure out it for you guys. Um, it doesn't seem like the NHL is sure when they're starting their 103rd season of play yet, but the last I heard, they were talking about an early December start time. I think they were a, um, aiming for December 1st, so a little under two months after the draft. They'll get going, hopefully, but we'll see, and I'll keep you guys updated on that. <clears throat> Excuse me. As, uh, as far as the NHL playoffs go, a lot happened, so... Uh, last time, the Tampa Bay Lightning were holding a two games to one lead on the Dallas Stars. Well, since then, there have been three games played, and the Lightning went on to win two of those. So, the Tampa Bay Lightning are your 2020 Stanley Cup champions. It has definitely been a weird two months watching these hockey playoff games with no fans and such, but uh, congratulations to them. As well as congratulations to the Dallas Stars on one heck of a season as well. Uh, I know you know it's it's uh, it's got to be tough and grueling to get through the playoffs in the NHL um, as it is. It's it's got to suck when you got to go through it and not be able to see your family. So all these guys can get back to their families, which is uh, pretty nice. So 
Um, yeah, game four was actually held back on Friday. Dallas Stars actually had a two to nothing lead in the first, but between the second and third uh, periods, the teams traded leads before it was eventually a four to four game after sixty minutes of play, and then the Lightning got an opportunity on the power play in overtime. Forward Kevin Shattenkirk for them took advantage of that scoring about six and a half minutes into the game for the win. Uh, but the very next day on Saturday was Game 5, and the Stars just they weren't ready to go home. Uh, in Game 5, veteran Joe Pavelski scored with a little less than seven minutes in the game. Uh, into, uh, with uh, Less than seven minutes left in the game, sorry, <laughs> to make it a 2-2 game, uh, forcing the game to go to overtime. Nothing doing in the first overtime, but in the second overtime, uh, veteran Corey Perry threw a rebound past Vasilevsky to force a game six. However, on Monday night, the Stars, they just they couldn't figure out goalie and Andre Vasilevsky as he stopped all 22 Dallas Stars in a shutout Stanley Cup winning effort, two to nothing. Defenseman Victor Hedman was awarded the Conn Smythe Trophy as uh, the playoffs MVP. Hedman played in all of the 25 of Tampa Bay's playoff games and finished with 10 goals, 12 assists, 22 points, with a plus-minus of plus 13. Um, only his teammate Nikita Kucherov finished higher with a plus-minus of 15. Uh, the Lightning were also led through these playoffs by forward Braden Point, who led all players with 14 goals uh, in these playoffs, and forward Nikita Kucherov, who finished uh, leading all players with 34 points in these playoffs. So, once again, a big congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning and a heck of an offseason for everyone. Uh, for on the basketball front, um, similar to the Wild, not too much to report on the Timberwolves other than rumors and speculation. Uh, I have heard um, since... Uh, two uh, times ago that the 2020 NBA draft is officially locked into Wednesday, November 16th. So just under seven weeks away from that. However, the rumors that I am hearing are if we are to stick with the pick we're uh, leaning leaning towards taking Lomelo Ball, which has a lot of people questioning that. I think a lot of people think Lomelo Ball has a lot more pure talent Uh, than George Edwards, but I think a lot of people are talking about how it wouldn't work for us as we already have D'Angelo Russell, and both him and LaMelo just both have, uh, you know, they're just both kind of guys that you kind of run offenses through. I know technically D'Angelo is a two-guard, so it could work, Um, uh, but they are saying George Edwards, like I mentioned, the other name that's going to be tossed one, would be a better fit for what we already have here. Uh, George Edwards, I believe, is a four. So that would give us a solid center and cat, four in Edwards, and then um, one or two in D'Angelo Russell. But who knows? Honestly, I've said it before, but regardless of if it is before or after making this number one pick, I'm not opposed to sending it to Phoenix for Devin Booker. I think that would be just an amazing uh, to see that Kentucky Big Three playing here night in and night out at Target Center. 
anyways, uh, on to the NBA playoffs. Uh, last time, the Western Conference Finals, the in the Western Conference Finals, the Nuggets had just won Game 3 to make the Lakers lead only two games to one. And the Miami Heat was in a decisive 3-1 to one lead over the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, on the 24th, after the podcast, the Lakers went on to beat the Nuggets 114-108 to to go up three games to one like the Heat. Uh, it was a group effort from the Lakers as they got 10-plus points from six of their players. The Lakers' second-chance points uh, seemed to be what gave them the edge in that game. The Lakers grabbed twice as many offensive boards as the Nuggets, 12-6, to uh, which led to um, a lot more second-chance points. And uh, Dwight Howard actually had a double-double in the first half alone, 11 points and uh, 10 uh, rebounds. I believe eight or nine of them were offensive rebounds, so... That was uh that was game four in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, however, two my, two nights later, the LeBron and AD led Lakers won the Western Conference Championship, beating the Nuggets one hundred seventeen to one oh seven. The Lakers led by as many as sixteen points in this one, and the Nuggets never had more than a five point lead. Um, Jokic, Murray, and Grant all combined for fifty nine points but it wasn't enough to combat the 65 points that LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis combined for in L.A.'s closeout game. Meanwhile, in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, the Boston Celtics cruised to a 13-point Game 5 win over the 100, uh, over the Heat to force a Game 6, 121-108. to 108. But... Just uh, their luck would stop just there. In Game Six, the Miami Heat would advance to the NBA Finals by dispatching of the Boston Celtics, 125 games, or sorry, 125 points to 113. Um, This Game Six was actually pretty back and forth until the fourth quarter when the Heat pulled away, courtesy of Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Bam Adebayo. All four of them combined for 88 points. And just like that, the NBA Finals were set between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat. Um, game one of that NBA Finals was actually last night. And it was a crazy one. Uh, the Heat, wow, they got off to a hot start uh, out of the gate. They went up 23-10 to on the Lakers' Um, in the first half of the first quarter, as soon as they got up to that lead, the Lakers took a timeout, and L.A. would actually go on a 21-5 run to end the first quarter. Um, the second quarter was pretty back and forth as we saw superstars in AT and LeBron James um, and uh, Jimmy Butler uh, trading shots and makes. Until the Lakers pulled away in the last couple minutes. Uh, the Lakers took a 17-point lead into halftime. But not only uh, would that happen, Jimmy Butler actually went down with an apparent injury, lower leg injury and exited 12 seconds early with um, in the half. Um, and unfortunately, that was just the start of exits uh, for the Miami Heat. 
um, at half, while AD had uh, 16 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, and LeBron had 9.6 rebounds, 7 assists, only Jimmy Butler for the Heat would have double digits points. He had 12. Uh, and then coming out of half, the Lakers just didn't take their foot off the gas. They eventually, they cruised out to an eventual 32-point third quarter lead. And if that wasn't enough for the Heat, about four and a half minutes into the third quarter, Goran Dragic left uh, the game with an apparent foot injury. And then only a couple minutes later, uh, big man Bam Adebayo would leave with a shoulder injury. Um, Neither one of them would come back into the game. But as of uh, right now, neither of them have been officially ruled out for Game 2 on Friday yet. But needless to say, the Lakers uh, kept hitting their threes last night, which helped them get a decisive Game 1 victory, 116-98. Jimmy Butler finished with 23 points, 5 assists, 2 rebounds, and 2 steals. While Tyler Hero finished with 14 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. And LeBron finished with 25 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists, and a steal. AD finished with 34 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 blocks. So a lot more NBA Finals basketball to be played, but... um, It'll it'll be it'll be an interesting one. Um, now on to the dreaded Vikings. Oh and three. Yikes. Um, <laughs> don't really know how to start off the Vikings this week. Uh, I I can't I can't. As upset as I am as a fan, I really can't be too. Um. Too upset with how I thought it was going to go. I told you guys last week I had this game chalked up as a win. Um, I said 28-24. to 24, But I also said I would not be surprised if I was wrong. And we lost a close game. We <laughs> did exact. We did just that. Uh, Vikes lost a 30-31 to 31 to the Tennessee Titans. Um... Tough, tough pill to swallow. Um, I guess we'll start off with saying the first half, I thought we played really well in the first half. We did have a fumble, um, but we also uh, we also came away with an interception and scored two touchdowns on back-to-back drives. Um I wasn't impressed with our uh, with our first two drives. We had a, we started with a three and out, um, and we and then we fund, fumbled. The silver lining in that we only gave up three points in Tennessee's first two drives, um, but we would eventually jump out to a seven uh, or sorry a fourteen to six lead, and then an eventual seventeen to nine lead going into half. So. We were playing well in that first half. Uh, I think we talked. I talked about it last week, um, alluding to uh, Kirk Cousins needing to throw to more guys than just Adam Thielen, and man, did he do just that! Uh, Justin Jefferson went off. Uh, big welcoming uh, him into the league. Kid uh, finished with seven catches for 175 yards. And one touchdown, which is, I mean, those are just, 
Those, those are amazing numbers to put up even for Thielen or for somebody else in this league to be putting up, uh, knowing that uh, rookie for us did it is just outstanding. Uh, I thought uh, Dalvin played exceptionally, um, 22 carries for 181 yards and one touchdown. But Mr. Kirk Cousins, I keep he keeps giving me reason week after week to have mixed feelings about him. So with that, we'll go into um, seeing what happened with our uh, bull predictions for last game. So the first one, I said Cousins was going to go off for 300-plus yards, three TDs, and no interceptions. <laughs> well, we'll chalk this up to uh, <laughs> kind of 75. Didn't get it. 25% did. He had 251 passing yards. Still impressive. Wasn't 300, but he did have three uh a throwing TDs, one to Thielen, one to Jefferson, and one to Rudolph. Man, that one to Rudolph was, that thing was pr- really pretty. Um, so, yeah, but then he had two careless interceptions and just didn't play well in the second half. Um, it was funny watching that game. Initially, I thought, I thought, I'm like, you know, dang, coming away from that game, I thought to myself, I'm like, we definitely had, you know, 10 to 25 more plays in the first half because I thought we played really well in the first half than we did in the second half because in the second flipping half, we played typical Minnesota Viking football where we played to not lose instead of playing to win. Like I mentioned earlier, we went into half with a 17-9 lead. First, first play in the second half interception to uh, the Titans. Now, initially, I we can't be too upset about that because we made them... Uh, go three and out on that ensuing drive. Um, but we gave, in my opinion, we kind of gave them momentum with that interception. Then we countered back with a missed field goal, and then they got a field goal. And, I mean, when when I say the Vikings played to not lose instead of win, let me tell you this. In the second half, we had leads of 17-9, to 17-12, to 24-12. Twenty-four to nineteen. Twenty, and then they got a little lead, and then thirty to twenty-five, thirty to twenty-eight, and then we lose thirty-one to thirty. So I look at, I look at those plays, and I just I don't know who to blame. I don't know if we blame Gary Kubiak. I don't know if we blame Mike Zimmer, who's technically the head coach and gives the okay on all plays. Uh, Kirk or the offensive line, I mean, hey, at least this week we didn't give up a safety, so <laughs> that's good. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, I think to, you know, the Vikings' last three, the last three drives, we had a total of 19, excuse me, a total of 19 plays. That's an average of what, like just over six or something like that. 
We had a touchdown, a punt, and an interception. I don't know why, but those last four plays by Kirk just just baffle me. I to some listeners out there, they're they're probably thinking, "Hey, Jack, we can't be as on Kirk as you are because our offensive line sometimes doesn't give him help." I completely understand that. And I get that. I understand there are good offensive lines and bad offensive lines, but there's also good quarterbacks and quarterbacks with awareness. You look at quarterbacks, I can't think of any off the top of my head because I'm so focused and so upset with the Vikings right now. But you think about teams that have depleted throw games or bad offensive lines, those quarterbacks are aware. They have their internal clock of if I'm not getting this ball out of my hand within two and a half seconds, I got to move left, I got to move right, I got to move up. I have to move, and I just, I, I know I sound like a broken, um, like a broken record because I say this all the time. Kirk Cousins is like afraid to move his feet. I mean, I saw on a handful of occasions um, yesterday that it wasn't like a dire third and go, third, third and long or fourth and long or anything like that. But there were numerous occasions where if all Kirk had to do was take three strides up, run for, you know, 10 yards and slide. I mean, I just, I, I'm baffled sometimes because I remember hearing, I think it was two, it was either last year or two years ago. Now Kirk was talking about how, yeah, we have a, uh, you know, we have a sign up in the locker room that says, uh, get one first down with your feet every week. I can't remember the last time the guy ran. Like, I can tell you when he's running sideways or behind him to not get sacked. I can't remember the time, any time Kirk Cousins has elected to running forward. Now, I get quarterbacks, unless you're Patrick Mahomes, unless you're, um, you know, Deshaun Watson, unless you're Russell Wilson, uh, Aaron Rodgers, some of those elite runners that know how to do it. You don't like running, but you got to use your legs. And if your offensive line isn't going to help you out, Kirk needs to know, I can't always rely on them to help me. I need to be able to help myself. And that is the frustration I have with him because I feel like if he moves up half the time, if he were to take two steps up, two steps to the right or two steps to the left, he'd have that much more space and that much more time to himself and he can survey the field and throw a nice pass to a Taj Sharp, throw a nice pass to um, to Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, all, all our offensive weapons. We have so many guys that can catch the ball. Delvin Cook can catch the ball out of the backfield. He does a tremendous job. Um, but it just, it, yeah, it just, it baffles me. And, um, you know, the other thing, too, thinking about, you know, good things from this last week, um, time of possession, we are trending in the right direction. Um, we had the ball for about 28 and a half minutes. Well, Tennessee only had it for 31 and a half minutes. So pretty even. I mean, and this is honestly, I, I, I probably sound like I'm being sarcastic. I'm not. This is a huge step up. When we played the Packers, I believe we had the ball for like 16, 17, 18 minutes. Again, like I said, a couple weeks ago, we made the most of that time, but we didn't have the ball for very long. And then even last week, 
I I want to say, or sorry, not last week, but week two, we had the ball for only you know maybe five more minutes than week one. So this is this is a good sign. We're holding on to the ball. We're making stuff happen, and um, we're making stuff happen, and we're we're right. We're right. We're right there. Now, before we dive too much into uh, updates and previewing this upcoming game against the Texans, I do have one shout-out I do want to make. We have our first question we're going to talk about here. Um, I was at a family get-together this last weekend, and my cousin, Benny, asked me a very, very good question. We talked a little bit about it um, at the family gathering, but he also asked if I would uh, address it on the podcast. So shout out to Benny for the question. Um, Benny asked me, you know, 0-3 uh, is obviously not a good start, uh, you know, for the Vikings. Um, how much of a difference is it going to be going forward 0-3 making the playoffs versus being 0-4? And usually, like last year, um, Ben, like we talked about, um, I would say it it doesn't make anything. It's it's very hard to make the playoffs when you're zero and three. Um, in fact, right now the Vikings have a one point nine percent chance to make it as being an zero and three team. Um, but the last team, fun fact, that made the playoffs after starting 0-3 was our next opponent, the Houston Texans, in 2018. So to answer your question, Ben, short answer, this year is a huge deal. Like I said, if it were last year, I'd say it wouldn't matter. 0-3, 0-4, doesn't matter. It's hard to come back from that because it's just it's it's so taxing mentally that every game is a must win. <clears throat> But I like our chances of still making a playoff spot. The Packers right now are in a league of their own. At this point, they're probably going to win the division. Um, But Chicago, I think, will eventually implode. And Detroit is not that good. So that coupled with the extra wild card spot, that seventh seed, that is a big reason I'm saying if we are able to go 1-3 in our first four games, I like our chances of making the playoffs. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I'm going to be a lot more ecstatic. I'm going to be a lot more happy than I am about going 0-4. I think we go 0-4, we can kiss the playoffs goodbye. And I hate to say that as a Vikings fan. Because as a Vikings fan, um, it sucks to... Because I love watching football. I love watching the Vikings. It sucks saying that because I don't want to see them tanking and losing games and losing games. Yes, it would be great to have Justin Fields as our quarterback next year or Trevor Lawrence. I said it I said at the beginning, I'd be more comfortable with Trevor Lawrence as a quarterback right now than Kirk Cousins. Yes, he's a game manager. He's not a playmaker. And you need a playmaker in this NFL. Um so, yeah, shout out to Benny, and uh, thanks again for the question, uh, man. So, really quickly, um, we kind of went over uh, our week three predictions. Actually, we didn't. 
Uh, the second one I didn't get to was I said we were going to hold Tannehill to under 125 passing yards. Again, we'll call it 75% wrong, 25% right. <laughs> he did throw for 321 yards, but he did not get any touchdowns, any through one interception. So, again, mixed reviews. Um, so, now updates for our, excuse me, our um, season-long uh, predictions. Justin Jefferson to beat Randy Moss's reception record through three games now. He has 12 receptions. He's got 58 to go. That's about an average of 4, 4.4 to 4.6 the rest of the games, which is doable. Now that Kirk is throwing to Justin, he can trust him. And I, I hope and I pray that he divvies up you know, the 15-16 passes between him or looks to him and Thielen, I think that'll help this um, this uh, offense out tremendously. Uh, and then Hunter and Yannick to combine for 30 sacks. Yannick now has two sacks in two games for us. So that's, excuse me, that is uh, big, 28 to go. <laughs> um, but remember, Hunter's coming back this week. So that is a plus, and that's why, yeah, this Houston game is big. Um and then for Dalvin, that he was going to play all 16 games. Right now, he's 3-for-3. Three three. Um, now, let's dive into this Houston game a little bit. Um, I got to say, this this game is the opposite of last week. And in week one, I know I had this um, chalked up to a loss. I, you know, I figured this was going to be one of those games that we were... This was going to be one of those games that we lost, but we were supposed to win. So I'm literally going to do this, the opposite of next week. I think we're going to win this game, but I hope they surprise me and win it. Um, Deshaun Watson has gone off passing yards wise through his through the first three games, even though they're zero and three as well. He's thrown for uh, seven hundred ninety-two yards. He has one, two, three, four guys with at least hundred and twenty. Um, receiving yards, um, but the numbers don't uh, don't stack up. Uh, four touchdowns, three interceptions during the first three weeks. One of the reasons they are they are not um, doing well and are at that zero and three. And then rushing yards. Um, there's only one guy on their team that has more than fifty rushing yards, and that's uh, Duke Johnson. He's got one hundred and thirty four yards. But he's got two touchdowns. So, um, you know, I think the key to this game, like I said, I think it's going to be a close one. But I think we're going to be on the losing side. I hope I'm wrong. Um, I'm going to go. I think the final of this game is going to be uh, Houston 27, Minnesota 24. Would not be surprised for similar to this last week, a 31 to 27, 28 game in favor of the Vikings. But I'm sticking with my I'm I'm sticking with myself. I'm you know I I I think we're gonna lose this game. Um, but like I said, I I hope I'm wrong. Two bold predictions for Week Four. I Hunter's coming back. I think that's gonna be a difference maker on the defensive end. I think Yannick and Hunter are going to combine between the two of them for three and a half sacks just in this next game. 
And then on the offensive side, I think Justin Jefferson will have his second consecutive 100-plus receiving yard game. So that is what I'm going with. Uh, Weekly picks, I am going, um, my upset is going to be uh, the Cleveland Browns over the Dallas Cowboys. And my sure thing is the Baltimore Ravens over the Washington Redskins. Um, again, for those of you that do weekly pickums, you are probably currently doing better than me. I did just as good this last week as week one with only picking six of those games correctly. So, yeah. Um, lastly, remember this podcast is about you guys, the listeners. If you guys have a topic you want me to address or a question you want me to answer, please reach out on Twitter or by emailing us. Twitter handle is at miniweekend dot, just at miniweekend. And email is miniweekend at gmail.com. That's M-I-N-N-Y-W-E-E-K-E-N-D at gmail.com. Same spelling for Twitter. And free feel, free, feel free to give this a follow on Twitter as well. Sorry for the misspeaking, guys. Until next week, Minnie.